You are listening to a message by Travis Scott from our gatherings at Shorebreak. Visit shorebreakchurch.com to get connected with more content. And if you would like to support the gospel being preached in Kona and to thousands online, your tax-deductible donation enables us to further Jesus' mission. Partner with us by giving at shorebreakchurch.com backslash give. Mahalo. Turn in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 1. If you guys can uh, make your way to Philippians chapter 1. How's it? You guys doing all right? Wow. You guys, it's all right. I'm, I'm not even going to pretend. We, you can't make that one up. That was bad. But I love you. I'm glad uh, that you're here. My name's Travis. I'm one of the pastors here at the church. We are honestly so honored to have you joining us uh, this Sunday and every Sunday as we make our way through the Word of God. And so it's no accident that you're here. Uh, yes, you got in your car, you, you put on your clothes, you got dressed. Some of us look better than others, but you're here. And by the grace of God, we're going to make our way through His Word. And I believe that today's message is one of the most important messages for your Christian faith. Uh, I rarely, if ever, uh, really try to set an expectation when going into a specific text. But we are, for one, these section of verses are probably, they're in the top five for sure. Clo- maybe, maybe number two, number one at times. These verses are up there. So for one, I'm passionate about uh, specifically these verses. Though I'm very passionate about the Bible, this specifically, I think, is hitting on a theme that many of us miss out in Christianity. So, um, so, so that we would not um, get complacent, uh, I ask that you would see a f- familiar verses that you, if you've been a Christian for any amount of time, you would know pretty well, you would be well familiar, familiar with. So I'd ask that you would uh, not let that familiarity uh, bring you complacency when it comes to approaching God's word. And so um, all that to say, I'm really honored that you, every single one of you are here uh, specifically for this message and uh, to keep up with where we've been at the book of Philippians, you can always go online to shorebreakchurch.com. We have all of our podcasts up there because every week in Philippians, we're building on themes that we've talked about previously. And so last week, we looked at the Apostle Paul's imprisonment, like one of the best men in Christian history at this moment as he's writing this book of Philippians is writing from a prison cell. I mean, our number one, our MVP for Christianity, of course, Jesus is our focus. But, but as far as humans are concerned, uh, Paul is, is the man. I mean, Paul is the one who is absolutely sold out, dedicated for the gospel. Uh, he knew that nothing was going to stop the gospel from going out. That him actually being in prison, him being in chains, actually unbound the gospel to go out and to spread throughout the region of Rome and Philippi and Ephesus and Corinth and then eventually up to Spain and to southern Europe. The gospel was spreading. Nothing was slowing it down. Nothing was going to hold back Jesus from Jesus getting out the good news of the gospel. And so out of bondage, the gospel grew so much that the imperial guard, the 
uh, Delta Force, the Secret Service for Caesar, was sicked on Paul. Like they, they, had, they had to watch him. They were there making sure Paul didn't escape from prison again. And so they were there with Paul um, and, and Paul sharing the gospel with them one by one. They're coming to faith in Jesus Christ. So much so that we know that at the end of Philippians, we read that Caesar's household believes in Jesus Christ. Not all of them, but, but there are those in the household of Caesar who believe in Jesus, and they're saying what's up to those in Philippi. It's insane how far the gospel had infiltrated. And so Paul, in chains, sharing the gospel, loving the very people who are beating him. I mean, is that not infectious? Is that not inspiring? I mean, some of I mean, you lay a finger on me. I'm not a big guy, but I'm a fast guy, so let's, let's go, right? Here's Paul loving them back for them beating him, giving them Jesus when they're trying to beat Jesus out of him. It's infectious. It's absolutely inspired because the gospel will multiply. The gospel will take new territory because a soul saved by grace desires to see other souls saved by that same grace. The overflow of being a disciple is making more disciples. And so Paul is saying, the brothers are encouraged to go out and share their faith because of what's happened to me, because of my imprisonment. They're not afraid because I'm in prison. If anything, it's done the opposite. When they try to suppress the gospel, the gospel flourishes only more. But that's our faith. These, this is our history as Christians. And we have all been given the massive task to share the gospel. It's all of our responsibility. Not just Paul's, but we know Philippians 1, verse 1, Paul and Timothy, servants of Jesus Christ to all the saints in Jesus Christ who are in Philippi with the overseers and deacons. Overseers and deacons, those are church pastors and leaders, but to all the saints as well. So it's not just my job on a Sunday morning, though it is, to declare the truths of the gospel. It's our job as God's children, as inheritors of his grace, to then go out into our communities, go out into our workplaces, to our, uh, all these different places with our family and friends, to give them Jesus, to share Jesus with them. It's interesting now that in verse 18, Paul talks about how there are those who are preaching Christ out of rivalry, that there is friendly fire taking place in the name of Jesus. But this friendly fire, Paul's saying, hey, yeah, they're out. They're trying to afflict me in my imprisonment, but at least Christ is being preached. And in that, I rejoice. And so that is now where we make our way into our text this morning. So let's stand for the reading of God's word, if you can. Verse 19 of Philippians chapter 1. For I know that th through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not at all be ashamed, but that with full courage now as always, Christ will be honored in my body whether by life or by death. For me to live 
is Christ, and to die is gain. For if I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and to be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Gracious Heavenly Father, we come to you this day looking at one of the most important texts and truths for our Christian faith. And God, even as you set Paul to be there to fight for the joy of the Philippians, so you have sent me here to fight for the joy of our faith. That we could argue that there is no greater thing to fight for than for our happiness, than for us to fight for our joy. But God, my words are empty without the Holy Spirit bringing weight and bearing truth to these things, God. And, and, and even if our ears are to hear what is being said apart from the Holy Spirit, shaping and transforming our mind and molding our hearts to bring you glory, God, we need you today. We are in desperate need of you, Lord. Jesus, may we have a fresh vision of who you are and what we are to enjoy in you, God, and that is enjoying you above all things. Lord, would I step out of the way? Would you be exalted? May I decrease so that you would increase. May we all be small so that you would be great, not just this morning, but forevermore. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. There is not a person on this earth who doesn't desire to be happy. Everyone desires happiness. I met someone a while back who's like, yeah, I'm actually one of those type of people who I desire not to be happy. It brings me pleasure not to be happy. I was like, exactly. Even in your pursuit of trying not to be happy, it brings you happy that you're not happy, right? None of us can escape. None of us can get away from the reality that we seek, we desire, we long for joy, pleasure, true happiness. And it doesn't matter who you are. We are all looking for something to treasure, something to pursue that will bring us joy. Our relentless pursuit of pleasure might look different from one person to another, but listen, we all do it. Every, everyone pursues pleasure. The pursuit of pleasure shapes our motivations, our locations, our relationships, our jobs, often even our circumstances. Listen, you will pursue to fill your life with joy. 
You treasure things in your life or people in your life to give you meaning and pleasure. That's true for all of us. Creation itself even. You don't need me just to tell you that. And of course, we're gonna use the rest of our time to let the Bible tell you that. But you don't even need the Bible to let you tell you that. That even creation, the way it was made, reveals to you and me that we were made for pleasure. Why is there a beautiful sunset? And why do we stop on the road? And some people like in the middle of the road, it's like, we can keep going now, right now, please, right? <laughs> there is a parking spot up there. You don't have to stop right here as the sun's going down, but it brings us pleasure. Even if you go out to eat or you make a, an amazing meal at home and th- there's pleasure even in food, Something as simple as food. Even when it comes to a relationship between a husband and a wife, loving one another intimately, there are parts that God gave man and woman that were not meant there for reproduction. They were there for pleasure. That, that even creation reveals to us that we were made to enjoy, that we were made for fulfillment, that we were made for pleasure. If we were created to treasure and have pleasure and to enjoy things, to pursue real joy and happiness, what does this look like in light of the gospel? Because many people's perception of Christianity is, it's the denial of enjoyment and pleasure, right? Or is it? Is Christianity the denial of pleasure or is Christianity the pursuit of, of the purest pleasure there is. What does this look like in light of the gospel? What does gospel-centered joy look like? Should a Christian pursue joy? If we do pursue joy, what does that look like? What does our pursuit of happiness look like? You see, Philippians is a book that is all about joy, It begins to unravel what it means for us in these verses to pursue true happiness. And I believe, you guys, this is how big this is. I believe that the things that we are talking about today are so big that they are, it's the main theme of the book of Philippians, and I believe this theme is infused throughout all of scriptures, yet it is most elusive in our understanding or often most ignored as Christians. I am so thrilled to be teaching this message. It's going to hurt. I'm telling you right now, it's going to hurt a little bit. It, it's It's been hurting me and it is hurting me and it will continue to do so because of these truths. But again, I I hope you know it's, it's for our joy. We press in, we pursue, we get after it for our joy. Verse 19, Paul says, For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit, of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be ashamed at all, but that with full courage now, as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. Paul is rejoicing and here, Paul is praising God. 
because he believes that he is going to be delivered. Now there is a debate on whether Paul is saying here that he's going to be delivered from prison in, in his present time, that he is ultimately going to be delivered from that, or whether he is speaking of his ultimate deliverance where he will be freed from the prison cell of his flesh and ultimately in the, the presence of God for all eternity. But among this debate, I personally believe Paul is speaking specifically not only of his deliverance from the flesh to be with Jesus, but I also think he's practically speaking of him getting out of prison. I think we'll see that later. We see that later in, in the verses. So here's Paul, the Apostle Paul. This incredible man asking people to pray for him, to pray for his boldness. I think that's pretty cool insight looking into the life of Paul, that, that he is asking Christians to pray for his boldness and declaring the gospel, that he would not at all be, be ashamed. And that would be my prayer request for you, and that's, and that's my prayer for you guys as well, that you guys would be, not be ashamed, that you guys would be aggressive in getting out Jesus' love. Not annoying again, but, but aggressively sharing the gospel and inviting people to, to church, that we would not be ashamed through the spirit of Jesus Christ and through prayer of which we are not ashamed. We talked even about that last week. But then we read at the end of verse 20, Paul says, but that full courage now, as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. Paul says, keep praying for me that whether I live or whether I die, that in my life, ultimately, in death or in life, Jesus Christ would be exalted and honored above all things. Depending on your translation, what you see there in verse 20, Paul says honored, some say exalted. The original word there used is a word of magnified, or you could say even amplified. It was Paul's great expectation that Jesus would be exalted, amplified, and magnified above all things in his life, whether he lives or whether he dies. Paul spent his life living for the glory of God, that, what, that God would be glorified no matter what happens to him. And this, Paul has the same theology as John the Baptist. Do you remember John the Baptist? The one who baptized Paul, that, that crazy guy shouting out in the wilderness. He ate locusts for fun. Who does that? I don't know. Locusts and honey. What did John say? I must decrease, he must increase. Even John the, the Baptist, the, the ambassador and the cousin of Jesus declares that we must become small and that Christ must become great in our life. Man's chief end is the glory of God. There is no greater thing you can exhaust and spend your life on than the glory of God. 
What fueled Paul's joy then? Okay, we're talking about joy. What fueled Paul's joy? The answer to this question is the most important truth for your Christian faith, probably. One of the most. What fueled Paul's joy was this, the glory of God. What brought Paul happiness was the glory of God. That as Paul's joy grew, God's glory increased in Paul's life. That the more God was glorified in and through the life of Paul, the more Paul had joy. The more Jesus was exalted and lifted high, the higher Jesus got, the more Jesus was treasured in Paul's life, the more joy Paul had and the more glory God got as Paul enjoyed Jesus. So Paul here, no wonder he is torn in two directions. Like, do I live or do I die? I just want Jesus, right? So he famously says in verse 21, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. How can Paul say this? How can Paul say, if I am deliverance, delivered from this, in my deliverance, I will live for Jesus. And if I die, it's gain. For me to live is, is Christ and to die is gain. Can you imagine the Roman soldiers and they're trying to, in the Imperial Guard, they're trying to threaten Paul? Paul, we're going to kill you. To die is gain. Paul, you're going to live. To live is Christ. You can't touch that guy, right? What are you going to do to a guy like that? Can't do anything to a guy like that. How can Paul say this? Let there be no misunderstanding today on this. That the truths that are linked between verse 20 and verse 21 Jesus means everything to Paul because Jesus is everything for Paul. There's no one greater in his life. There's no one more loved. There's no one more treasured in Paul's life than Jesus. Listen, for you, there is no one worth spending your life for. There is no one worth exhausting all of your resources for. There is no one worth you giving all of your affection than you giving all of your affection to Jesus because a life living for Jesus is a life worth losing for Jesus. A life worth living for Jesus is a life worth losing for Jesus. This is why Paul says, for me to live is Christ. If I'm going to live, it's for Jesus. And if I die, it's only gain. Well, there are many things and people trying to climb to be number one in your life, right? You just have to watch the Super Bowl ads, which what was up with the Super Bowl ads this year, right? Like guilt-driven? Come on! Yeah, that's the only reason why I watched the Super Bowl anyway. I didn't care about the teams. And yet, 
all of these commercials even, and, and all of our friends, and, and even the workplaces are all there to try to fight, whether it be through guilt, whether it be through pleasure, ultimately they're there to fight to be number one in your life because those things want you to treasure them above all things. It's not just thing, true for things, but this is also true for people. People do this as well. So while many of us Christians say, yeah, 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 I mean, every, I, Philippians 121, for me to live as Christ and die as gain, yeah, yeah, I mean, that's, that's my life. Pause for a second. Is it our life? Is it, is it my, is, is my life living for Christ? Is my life's whole pursuit and treasure Jesus? Paul says, for me to live is Christ. For you to live is what? Fill in the blank. What is it? You don't have to answer to me. You have, you have to answer to God. And, and you can pretend, and we can often pretend as though somehow for us to live is really Christ. We can't fool God, though. We can fake and fool one another. We can't fool God. We can't pull a fast one on God on this. Let me ask you, what do you treasure? What do you live for? What do you pursue? I, I'm with you guys on this. I struggle with this. I'm not going to pick on you guys too much. I'll just use my, myself as an example. I love coffee. Like I do, you guys. Like I, I love, I live for, I love coffee, right? For me to live is coffee, right? Coffee helps my Jesus loving. That's, that's, you know, it stirs my affections for Jesus. That's what I've said. Um, after reading a Time Magazine article that came out last month, the end of last month, it only confirmed my love for the legal drug of caffeine. And yes, it is a legal drug because it's clearly a drug. You have enough of it, it makes you do wild things. The article uh, talked about some of the benefits of coffee and I wanted to share some of them with you today. <laughs> coffee may decrease your risk of depression. Coffee might help prevent skin cancer. For a howly boy like me, that's a good thing, right? Just saying. Like, I'm getting skin cancer one way or another. Like, I'm just chugging it. You see me chugging it? That's my justification right there. Uh, coffee might help fight obesity. Coffee could boost your workout. Coffee might help your hearing. Coffee could lead to a healthier liver and lead to longer life. Like, if you're not a believer now, you just repent, right? Just <laughs> repent. <laughs> Work on that, right? Okay, so... If for me to live is coffee, that means, now, now stay with me here. Coffee is my treasure. Coffee is where I find my joy. Coffee is what I live for. And that will lead to what I magnify most, what I glorify in, in my life. So if coffee, <laughs> sinner, crazy pastor, I know, I know. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. what I love about you guys. Just as cynical as me. Okay, if coffee is my treasure and joy, of course, it's been magnified so much that it's made its way into the sermon. That's one thing, right? When I enjoy coffee, the overflow is me glorying in. You got to track with me. In me enjoying coffee, the overflow, and pun intended there, um, of me enjoying coffee, coffee is 
me glorying in that it's maybe will help me not get skin cancer. That, that maybe it's going to give me a healthier liver and that maybe that, that, that in me enjoying coffee and treasuring coffee will end up leading to a longer life and better hearing, right? Now, the result of me treasuring coffee then is me praising coffee for its benefits in this sermon. Hang with me here. For you to live is what? What is your biggest treasure? Not sure? That's okay. What do you glorify then in your life? What do you magnify and elevate most in your life? That will lead to what you treasure most in your life. One pastor says, um, I'm paraphrasing, I don't remember exactly what he says, but um, we are incurable worshipers. We are always looking for something to praise. We, we have to praise. We have to be praising something. And so what many of us do is when we treasure something, like, say, coffee, that when we treasure coffee, that the praise of coffee is the consummation, is the completion of our treasure. It brings it full circle. It completes it. What do you magnify? What do you glorify? That will lead to, that will reveal what you live for in your life. If there is no gain in death, if there is no gain in death and what you are treasuring in your life right now, then it's not worth living for. A little heavy, right? I mean, mean, that's verse 21. It's not saying that you can't enjoy your spouse. It's not saying that you can't enjoy your kids. It's not saying you can't enjoy your singleness or enjoy your friends or enjoy creation or enjoy things in life. We're talking about ultimate, supreme treasure and joy. Because unless it's worth dying for, then it's not worth living for. To live is Christ. To live is for Jesus. Our life should be spent on living supremely for the glory of God. And to die, he says, is gain. Let's, let's pause for a moment. Is death really gain? Honestly, is death really gain? For those who have tasted the bitterness of death, there is much loss in death. Yesterday, we even celebrated the life and memorial for our brother, Paul Hamilton. And, and Paulette, his wife, has loss. That she's going home to an empty home now. There's much loss and death. You lose loved ones. You lose friends. You lose your Hannah, you lose your wealth, all that you've worked for. You lose your body that you've tried to somewhat take care of or maybe you're really diligent in taking care of. You lose your children. You lose your parents. You lose pleasure. Listen, there is much to be lost in death. 
But when living is for Christ, all of the loss is overtaken by all that we gain in Jesus. You, you hear that. I, I want you to hear this. This is probably the most important thing to be said. When living f- is for Christ, all of the loss is overtaken by all that we gain in Jesus. If you lose everything this world has to offer and only your soul goes to be with Jesus, listen, you have gained everything. Do you know that, Christian? That you've gained everything, that of all that you've amassed, that of all those people you love, that if only your soul goes to be in paradise with Jesus, that you've gained everything. It's why we've said it much in this church, in the, the short history of this church, which is only two and a half years old, but this is what we've said and we will say it again. If all you get in life is Jesus, you get all of life. There's no one greater to be treasured. There's no one greater to be worshipped. No one greater to be exalted. Death is gain. Guys, death is gain. I want you to see this. Verse 8 of chapter 3, Paul says this. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and counted them as rubbish. Paul's like, counted my, you know, counted my, my, my kids in the Lord, counted my, my family, counted my, the churches that I've planted, counted my body and the flesh, counted everything that God has done in my life, counted all the things that I've amassed in my life. Paul's like, I didn't really estimate and say, oh, well, I guess to live is Christ and to die is gain. He said, I counted all of those things as rubbish in comparison to the surpassing greatness and knowing Jesus. You're like, this is extreme. Yes, it is. This is Christianity. This is what God is calling you and me to. Complete abandon of ourselves for his glory. And I know it stings because, listen, it's stinging me right now. I'm, I live for my own glory. Listen, What death takes from you is incomparable to what you will gain in Jesus. What death takes from you is incomparable to what you gain in Jesus. Jesus is the reason we live. Jesus is the reason we breathe. Jesus is the reward when we die. Death is not lost for the soul that enjoys Jesus. So yesterday... Um, while we had many people uh, filling the chairs in memory of Paul, who went home to be with the Lord and he was fighting stage four cancer for the last couple of years, he wrote a letter um, uh, to me. And the last paragraph in the letter I wanted to share with you guys. And, you know, in light of his life and all the struggle that he had, he says this, the last four years have been full of challenges, but also so much excitement in experiencing my God's love in a deeper and deeper way than I ever had previously 
experienced. I promise you, the more you see him, speaking of Jesus, the richer it gets. The more we see, the more you see and believe that Jesus is truly greater than any treasure this world would have to offer, then and only then can you say, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. What you treasure is what you glorify. What you revel in is what you glory in. Where you find your greatest happiness and joy is what you glorify most in your life. So please hear me. It's not wrong to pursue joy. In fact, we should pursue joy. In fact, it's the very reason Paul wants to live. Paul would rather die to go to be with Jesus. But in verse 22, he says, For if I am to live in the flesh, it means fruitful labor for me. Yet, shall I choose? I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and to be with Christ, for that is far better. Um, I don't know that many of us would be able to say that today, right? We're so consumed with living life for our own glory that we, even as Christians, try to pretend as though death isn't there. Yet here's Paul saying, I would... I love Jesus so much for me to die would be better. Or that's what I would prefer. But he says, instead, I'm hard pressed between the two for my desire is to depart to be with Christ for that is far better, but to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. So Paul's like, just man, if the Imperial Guard took me out tonight, that would be awesome actually. But the fact that God has kept me here, I believe he's going to deliver me from this prison. It's better on your account. Why? Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress, see this, and joy in the faith. For me to live is Christ for Paul and to die is gain. Of course it is. Of, of course it is for Paul. Listen, if Jesus is our treasure, then death is the way we receive what we love the most. If Jesus is our treasure, then death is us then receiving whom we love more than anything. So Paul says, I'm here to fight for your progress and for your joy. That's why he's there. That's why he wrote the book of Philippians. He even repeats this idea to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5.8. Yes, we are of good courage and we would rather be away from the body and be at home with the Lord. This is what Paul is saying here. Joy is essential Joy is the lifeline for your Christianity. You know, God, in saving you, has called you to delight in him above all things. 
Paul wants to fight for their joy because listen, even the most of mature Christians settle for half-filled joy. Or we get 90% there. I want you to hear the heart of God in this Psalm 116, 11, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy at your right hand are what forevermore? Pleasures. God is calling you to enjoy the best pleasure there is. God is calling you to enjoy the greatest happiness this world has ever seen. God is inviting you to enjoy him as his treasure. Christianity is not the denial of pleasure. If anything, Christianity is the denial of weaker pleasures for the greatest pleasure, right? Knowing Jesus is not the end of happiness. Knowing Jesus is not the end of joy. Knowing Jesus is joy because there is joy in knowing Jesus. The closer you get to him, the more you see him, the better it gets. Knowing Jesus kills any other pursuit of happiness apart from God. Knowing Jesus, listen, is so satisfying that the appeal of sin isn't so enticing anymore. So you can know that circumstances do not eclipse the joy there is in knowing Jesus. Take it from Paul. doesn't matter if you're in prison. Paul said in Lydia's house, you know, we all know Lydia, right? Or we remember Lydia. She's got this, she's got a couple of homes. She's, you know, owns a fashion company. She is doing really well for herself. Paul in the beautiful home of Lydia said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. When he had much. And when Paul is, has nothing here in prison, for me to live is Christ. To die is gain. Circumstances do not eclipse the joy there is in knowing Jesus. Not prison, not affliction, not pain. Not if you have much or little. Listen, find your deepest satisfaction in knowing Jesus. You guys, the more God, you gotta see this tie now all the way back in even verse, end of verse 20, in verse 21. Guys, the more God was glorified in Paul's life, the more joy-filled Paul was. The more joy Paul had in Jesus, the more God was glorified in his life. So the more joy you have in Jesus, the more God is glorified through your life because God is never more glorified in you when you treasure him above all things. Pastor John Piper, who wrote the book Desiring God, absolutely turned my world upside down when I read this line, uh, which is pretty famous in his book. John Piper says this, God is most glorified in you when you are most satisfied in him. Guys, that's all I got on this. I've emptied out my tank on Philippians 121. I have nothing more to, to say specifically on this subject. We will wrap up the last couple of verses here, but oh, that the, that the glory of God and the Holy Spirit would bring weight of this truth upon your soul because it will either 
become disgusting to you that God would demand that of you or you see that it is actually the most loving thing God could possibly do to not let you fall short of what truly brings you pleasure. Verse 25. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you for all your progress. Now you see that. And joy. Joy. Joy in the faith. So that you may have ample cause to glory in Jesus Christ because of my coming to you again. 2 Corinthians 1.24, Paul says, Not that we lorded it over you in the faith, but we worked with you for your joy to stand firm in your faith. Listen, the application and the implications of how this shapes your life are innumerable. I mean, the way you fight sin, the way you view God, the way you view yourself— Um, I'm going to let you spend this week or maybe the rest of life like me marinating in these truths, seeing how it transforms our life. But know this. Because for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. There is a greater day coming for you if you love Jesus. There is a greater day coming. There is a greater glory awaiting. There is a better time coming. So while you are here, live for his glory. And may we pursue with all of our passion to love Christ supremely so that our joy would be full. It's not wrong to pursue joy. It's only right for us to pursue joy in Jesus. Do you guys see now that to be a Christian at the end of the day is not jumping through religious hoops so you don't go to hell? (laughs) That's many of our percent. I just just don't want to go to hell, man. Just give me Jesus. Christianity is having Jesus as the greatest treasure. Faith is tasting and seeing that the Lord is good. Belief in Jesus is drinking from his waters of which we will never thirst again. For me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. May our eager expectation be the glory of God and joy that satisfies our soul. Let's pray. God, the fact that you demand your glory is an act of love because it is where we find our true happiness. Jesus, may every Christian in here this morning come to a place where their joy is full, where they're experiencing your pleasures forevermore that are available at your right hand, of which you freely give to us, your adopted children. Oh, Holy Spirit, I pray that you have wrecked us afresh this morning, completely shifted our view of you, God. And as we're taking this time to pray, 
If you do not, have not known Jesus, or you thought you knew Jesus, and Jesus to you was not your treasure, but he was your escape from hell. May he become your treasure today. Would you receive Jesus as your treasure? Would you respond to the gospel's beckoning that you would drink from his wells of which you will never thirst again? Taste and see that the Lord is good. Let's you settle that with God today. So that you and your heart could say, for me to live is Christ and to die is, is gain. Death is only gain for those who are in Jesus Christ because we get Jesus for all eternity. And hell, though yes, it is a place of torment and flames, is really the absence of Jesus. Oh, Lord, thank you for being so good. God, thank you for giving us your grace. Thank you that it is an act of your loving kindness to invite us and to glorify you, and that as you are exalted, our joy is increased. May Shorebreak Church, may the ohana that is gathered here this morning be marked by a people who decrease so that you would increase, so that we would pursue true happiness and joy. And it's for Jesus' glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We hope that Jesus is doing a work in your life from the message that you just heard. We would love to hear how you were impacted and what was impressed on your heart. Share your story by emailing connect at shorebreakchurch.com. And if you don't know Jesus as God, Lord and Savior, or you have more questions, send us an email to info at shorebreakchurch.com so we can get you dialed in with a free Bible and resources for your new relationship with Jesus.